Hello and welcome to RGU Talk, the official podcast of Robert Gordon University. I'm your host, Johnny Milne, and this week we are handing out advice to young people and their parents about how to put your best foot forward when applying to university. And I can't think of many better people to take us through this than my guest from RGU Student Recruitment, the best guest, Georgina Guest. (laughs) Georgina, thank you for coming along today. Thank you for having me. So, like I said, we're here to talk about applying for university. It's been a fair few years since I've had to do it myself, uh, but I imagine it is as daunting today as it, it was uh, in the last decade. What is your first piece of advice to young people when they get to that stage? I think the main thing is um, take your time, make your choices, but make sure that you visit any universities that you're considering, okay? Picking the right university is not just about the course, it's also about the location, the facilities that they have, and also the vibe that you feel when you are on that campus. Um, You may be surprised about some of the vibes that you pick up on different campuses. So I would suggest that the first thing you need to do is make your shortlist and then visit those universities. So go to open days, ask for individual visits, anything that you can do to make sure that you get a chance to be on that campus. Fantastic. Um, and of course, uh, you know, applying for university isn't just about picking a course and hoping to, you know, as you say, get the right vibe and hoping to get the right grades. It's obviously, uh, there's much more to it than that. How can someone influence their institution of choice? Yeah, um, picking the course and picking the university is just the first step of what is quite a long process. Um, getting the right grades and picking the right subjects is also a key key part of it but the you know a huge part of your application is the personal statement okay yeah um it's a the only part of the the application process that you have complete control over as an applicant um i would say that the the application to university is three parts so it's your academics your grades your predicted grades and the subjects that you're taking it's your teacher's reference um and then it's your personal statement and the personal statement is so important because It's the only part that the applicant has complete control over. So their grades, they have a certain amount of control over, but obviously there can be a lot more extenuating circumstances. They can't control what's going to come up in the exams, those kinds of things. Um, The teacher's reference, they have relatively no control over unless they want to completely reverse their behavior Mm -hmm, um, that they've maybe had over the last few years. But the personal statement is completely theirs. It's completely up to the applicant. um, And... You know, it's their chance to influence the university's decision and to also tell the university admissions officers anything that they need to know that makes them a little bit different. Okay. And, and in terms of what exactly is the personal statement that the um, for people who've maybe not got to that stage yet? Mm-hmm. So the personal statement is it's pretty much just that. It's a statement. It is um, slightly different to an essay, something that you would write for maybe English or history. It's 4,000 characters is the limit. So... Okay. That's quite small when you think of every space, every full stop, every comma is counted. Um, So usually when you write your exams, you write your essays for history or English, um, you'll get a word count that you need to hit. But this is characters. So actually, if you're font size 12, which is what UCAS wants, Mm. you're one side of A4 paper. So you're trying to fit in potentially 16, 17 years of your life into, into one, one side, side of A4. Wow. Um, so it is ve- it's very short and that's another reason why it's so important because 
you have to put so much effort into it. You have to be very concise. It's not like a creative writing piece where you can be very flowery and, you know, add a lot of adjectives. And, you know, when I was at high school, if I had an English exam, I'd maybe just add a few extra words here and there to get the word count up. You kind of want to do the opposite with this. Mm. Um, So that's essentially what it is. It's just your statement about you. And it's really your chance to tell them everything that makes you different. So they'll see your grades. And there's a chance that you could be up against people with the exact same grades and the exact same subjects and their teacher reference says pretty much the same thing. So what makes you stand out from them? And as this is, as you say, your chance to influence a uni's decision, what is it that the officers are looking for? Um, So I would suggest that your personal statement be split into sections, not literally split into sections on the piece of paper, but when you're thinking about it, split it up. So Mm. your first section should be about why you've chosen that subject area, um, why you've chosen that course, um, and it should show that you kind of understand what the subject or the course involves. So this is where you can put in any subject-specific workshops that you've done, anything you've done at school, any academic achievements that you've got, And also any prior research that you've done in the subject area. So, you know, if you know that you want to study physiotherapy, tell us what you know about physiotherapy. Okay, and that's what the first section should be. It should be about, this is why I've chosen this course and this is the justification for my course choice. Mm -hmm. And then the second section, um, really you want to talk about the evidence that you have and the skills that you have that show that not only are you suitable for that course, but also suitable for university life. Okay. So going to university can be a big challenge for a lot of people. Um, For a lot of people coming from high school, it's a completely different style of learning. There's a lot more emphasis on Mm self-learning and self-study. So it's important that universities understand that you have what it takes to manage that change. Um, And also for a lot of people, they will be moving away from home. Mm-hmm. So it's potentially the first time that they're doing their own washing, cooking, cleaning, you know, managing their own money, all that kind of stuff, getting themselves places that they need to be. So again, you need to evidence that you have those skills for that as well. So it's a two-pronged approach. It's I have the skills that you need for me to be a successful physiotherapy student Mm. but also I have the skills that you need for me to be a successful university student so it's things like maturity responsibility self-motivation and then on top of that the technically relevant skills that you have for that subject area okay so so it doesn't have to be uh, just academia based it can be things to show those skills like volunteering work experience hobbies anything you're passionate about to show that you've got what it takes yeah of course um The subjects that you take and the grades that you get in those subjects is only one part of your application to university. Um, You definitely, in your personal statement, should touch on any academic achievements that you have, because that's fantastic. So, you know, if you're applying to study forensic and analytical science and you won the higher award for higher chemistry, then that's so applicable Mm. and it's so relevant and you should absolutely mention it. But also... um, there's a lot of other skills that you get in your day-to-day life and all the experiences that you have that you need to mention in this section. So volunteering always goes down very well. Um, universities do like volunteering, so things like the Duke of Edinburgh, working in your local charity shop, all those kinds of things. You've also got work experience. So I think that work experience for a lot of people is quite a scary phrase mm-hmm. because there's there's so many people out there that not everybody is going to get the chance to have really relevant work experience so you know I want to be an occupational therapist and I have work experience in an occupational therapist's setting it's fantastic Mm -hmm. but not everybody's lucky enough to get that so it's understanding how you can pull those skills out of your other experiences so 
A good example of that would be a lot of young people have part-time jobs in supermarkets. But how is that technically relevant to their university course, okay? Um, the skills that they pick up are so transferable, it does, almost doesn't matter what the course is. So, you know, if you want to study engineering or architecture or any of, any subject, really, you know, the skills that you would learn in a supermarket, like communication, teamwork skills, um, self-motivation again, communication, all those stuff. Um, I have asked school pupils before, can you tell me one job in the world where you don't have to speak to at least one human being a day? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and we can never think of one, the classes that I go and speak to. Um, so communication is a, big, is a big skill that you need to mention and um, you can almost evidence that with, with anything. Mm. It doesn't need to be technically relevant to the course. Um, so I would say, yeah, in answer to your question, it doesn't just have to be academia based. Um, you need to talk about anything that you're passionate about, that you're interested in, that's going to showcase these skills for the course and for university life and always have that in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. Am I showcasing my skills for the course and am I showcasing the skills for university life? And I know that through UCAS, you can only put in a single personal statement. How can people make that apply to all of their potential choices, which could be really varied, uh, while putting themselves forward in the best possible light? So um, RGU is slightly different from most universities in that we will accept a second personal statement. Okay. We will accept um, an alternative statement where it's applicable. So for a lot of our courses that involve interviews as part of the selection process, like in nursing and midwifery, mm. your personal statement has to be so focused on that subject area. Um, and it's really difficult if you're applying to both. Okay, yeah. So if you were applying to, for instance, you know, adult nursing and midwifery, how can you make your personal statement applicable to both? And in short, unfortunately, the answer is a lot of the time you can't, you do have to narrow it down. But for RGU, um, and a lot of the universities out there won't accept second personal statements, but we do. So I would always suggest if you are completely torn and you are 100% applying to both, you, you know, you can't really choose, then I would suggest considering uh, submitting a second personal statement. Okay. For those of you who can only submit one, or you want to only submit one, what I would suggest is focus on the link between the courses. There will be a reason why you as an individual are interested in both. So find what that link is, you know, find the link between the subject areas, find the commonalities between the subject areas and focus on that as much as you can, and focus on experiences and skills that are applicable to both. Definitely don't split your personal statement. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will do that, they'll write half for one subject and half for the other, but actually what they're failing to do is understand that the skills that they're mentioning are relevant to both and they're just repeating themselves a lot of the time and it's mm. just wasting that those valuable 4,000 characters. Which is, as you said earlier, a tiny amount. Yeah. Um, well, obviously it's not only prospective students that have to think about this kind of thing at that, at that time of life. What is your advice for their parents? I would say if, if parents want to be involved in this process, that's fantastic because not everybody is that lucky. Mm. Um, the main role, I think, for parents is advice and encouragement. You know, help motivate your child to do this and to do this quite early. Mm. Okay, I am the biggest procrastinator in the world. Um, but I would say that try not to procrastinate and try not to let your child procrastinate if you can. Um, my main piece of advice um, would be check for s their spelling, check their grammar, you know, check that the, the wording flows well for them. Mm. Um, but also it's so important that the applicant writes the personal statement. Um, so I would say that if you do find sections that aren't quite right or you have some advice, give it to them. 
but let them go and make the changes because it becomes very apparent as an admissions officer, so I've heard, if part of the personal statement hasn't been written by them. Okay. And you can quite clearly tell what sections have been lifted out or what sections have been altered. Um, you know, we've had people who've had their personal statement looked at by a professional in that industry, which is fantastic, but then they've gone and reworded it all and actually it then reads like it's written by an expert. Mm. But we don't need you to be an expert at this stage. We just want to know that you have the skills for us to get you there, mm -hmm. you know? So I would say, you know, give them advice, give them encouragement and help them, but please don't change their personal statement yourself. Of course, okay. <laughs> um, and once it's in, once the personal statement and the uh, application is fully in, your choices have been submitted, what happens next? So... After the 15th of January, that's the kind of first UCAS deadline. That's when the majority of people will get their applications in by. Um, it's at that point that prospective students will start either receiving offers, receiving you know rejections, or will start getting interview, uh, invites to interviews or selection events. At that point, if they've received all of their responses, either good or bad, by the 31st of March, they would then be expected to make their decision by the 1st of May. Okay. So that's where they will select um, their firm choice and their insurance choice. And that doesn't matter if they've got an unconditional or a conditional with the university, they can put them as their firm and their insurance. And then the other three choices that they've submitted or however many it is, they'll then decline themselves. Um, but it's also important to remember that the UCAS process has changed quite a bit over the last few years, mm. certainly since I went to university. And we now have UCAS Extra which okay. allows people, if they, you know, get all declines from universities, if they don't get any offers, then they can submit more choices. But it also gives them the chance to decline all the offers they've received and make more choices. Okay. It's worthwhile mentioning that only applications submitted before the 15th of January will all be considered on a level playing field. But a lot of the time now we're seeing that universities still have places open even after these have been filled. So it's worthwhile just, you know, if you change your mind about the subjects you've picked, it's worthwhile getting in touch with the universities to see if there's still places on offer in that course. Mm. And then, of course, other than UCAS Extra, you also have clearing. So... There are so many opportunities out there now for people who maybe do change their mind or people who decide to apply late. We have a lot of people who think they're not going to go to university and then they change their mind. Um, so there are a lot of opportunities there out with the normal process. Well, finally, Georgina, for everyone who's listening to this at home, uh, in school, wherever they, they might be, do you have any top tips for their application process or some do's or don'ts? Yeah. Um, my first don't is please don't make inflammatory statements. So we obviously want you to appear to be committed to the subject and interested in the subject. But a statement like I have wanted to be a nurse since I was in the womb doesn't actually achieve that. <laughs> um, all that does is it comes across as quite conceited mm -hmm. and then it kind of puts into doubt everything else that they're about to say in their statement. So I would say make sure that your opening statement is strong and more importantly that it's honest. So if your interest in nursing comes from the fact that your auntie was a nurse when you were younger or it's a recent interest for you that you've done a lot of research into, that's fine, that's honest and it reads that way. But please don't make inflammatory statements because mm. actually they have a more negative effect than I think you realise. Um, another tip from me would be as a young person, um, a, lot of, a lot of you might have Instagram or Facebook, you maybe take selfies with your friends or on your own. Try and treat your personal statement like a selfie, okay? Not many of us would be willing to 
you know, let our friends take a picture of us and post it straight onto all of our social media accounts without us checking it, okay? A lot of us, myself included, will use things like filters and we might edit pictures and oh, absolutely. get our friends to look at them before we post them. So why would you write your personal statement and then just send off the first version? Okay, we need to make sure that this is the best possible version of you. The same way that you put your best face forward on your social media, you know, put your best word forward, so to speak, in your personal statement. So draft it, make a lot of drafts, you know, edit it where you need to, get your friends and your family's advice on it so that when you send this off, you're 100% sure that this is the best possible version of you that there could be. Um, and then there's just two more things, I suppose. The first one would be, Try and use appropriate language. So we don't want you to sound like you've swallowed a thesaurus. You know, it goes back to the whole thing around we don't need you to be an expert because we're going to help you get there. So, you know, write the way that you would normally write. Obviously, don't use colloquial language and, you know, use appropriate language. But try not to overcomplicate your personal statement because, again, we need this to sound like it's written by you. And then finally, all the evidence, all the skills that you're going to talk about in your personal statement, you know, communication and teamwork and self-motivation make sure that you give us evidence of how you got those skills because I could sit here and tell you you know 21 different skills that I have and you would have no way of believing it mm -hmm. but if I told you how I get how I got those skills you'd probably be more likely to believe me um, and I think I think that's it I think that would be the top tips that I've got fantastic well Georgina I know my younger self would have found that <laughs> very useful I, and I hope it can help the next generation as they get ready for university so thank you again for coming down today thank you so much I hope it was helpful and that's it for another edition of RGU talk on behalf of the university I'm Johnny Milne and we'll talk to you later <laughs>